0: Oh, you can be seated. Amen. We almost, uh, almost don't need a sermon. Almost, right? Yeah, we're we're almost there. All right, that was that was awesome. We were Sam and I were were hanging out in uh, here uh, before service began, and I knew I knew we had something with that song when my ten year old starts to you know bebop around a little bit. So uh, that is a great song, and uh, you know if you didn't love that thing, we'll, we need to check your pulse because that thing that thing was awesome. All right? All right, let's pray. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for the day. And uh, we thank you uh, for uh, these metaphors in the New Testament that uh, teach us and show us how to be the church that you created us to be. Uh, As we talk today a little bit about uh, being your body, I just pray that we uh, would be exactly that, the church you created us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, Several years ago now, more, more than several, but I was in college and uh, there came a time uh, where I had uh, two kind of big projects due in the same week. And while uh, my main kind of degree was in ministry, uh, my under degree was in procrastination. All right, I kind <laughs> of I minored in procrastination. All right, uh, and so I kind of put off these two projects. And there came a time uh, where I ended up having to stay up all night to complete one project, and I got that done in the middle of the night. And then I worked kind of all day until about 2 a.m. of the, the next, uh, you know, a, a full a full day later at, at about 2 a.m. And all during this time, my friends and I were drinking Mountain Dew and eating pizza and Taco Bell and all of this stuff. And we finally got both projects done. And I lay down to bed and about two hours later, I woke up in the most excruciating pain that to this day, I have ever been in, in my life. I, I mean, I, I really thought at the age of, you know, I think I was 21, that this is it, it's over, I'm, I'm done, right? Um, I, I, it was that kind of pain. And so I walked over uh, in just shorts and a t-shirt, walked over to my friend's apartment in married housing. He was married and knocked on his door and I pleaded with him to take me to the hospital. I, I was like, and he did, he took me over there. Um, I called my dad to say my goodbyes, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> And what I'll always remember, it's a funny kind of memory I have my dad. My dad came to the hospital and I am just in the emergency room just doubled over in, in pain and my dad went up to the window He's was like, hey, my son's in a lot of pain, could, could you help him? And they're like, it's, it's, we're really busy tonight, it's going to be a few more minutes. And he waited about five minutes and my 6'2", 320 pound dad went over and pounded his fist against the window of, of the nursing station. He's like, my son's in pain! You know, that sort of thing. And uh, I got in pretty much right away. So, uh, they... they mysteriously found a room. So, uh, but I got in there and they started running tests trying to figure out what it was and it ended up that my pancreas was inflamed. Now, you know how small your pancreas is in, in, in the scope of your, of your human body and do you know how little, I felt like such a woman, how little the inflammation was in mine um, and, and I was like, I don't know if I don't have a, a, a good threshold of pain or, or if it was really that bad but something so small as a pancreas, caused such a major problem in my life. And it was one of the first times I ever really remember this, like thinking about my body as men. Every part does matter. Every part is important. Every part does play a role. And this is exactly what Paul is going to teach us in 1 Corinthians 12 about the church. Um, Paul loves this metaphor of of the church of the of the body and specifically the body of, of christ and he 's going to teach us every part, every part of the body. Uh, Plays a role, and every part matters, and every part makes a difference. Now, the book of 1 Corinthians, it is a really interesting book, because in it, this this church was so diseased, uh, the the church in Corinth, they were so messed up, and if you were to read the book of 1 Corinthians beginning to end, I think if you were going to kind of tie one attribute to all of their issues as a church, it would be the issue of pride. And because this was such a prideful church, they argued about everything doesn't sound at all familiar to maybe our culture right now. That all of a sudden, you know, even though I didn't go to school for anything but ministry, all of a sudden I'm like an infectious disease expert, right? That, that sort of thing, and a political expert. And every, we, we've seen the loss of the expert and replaced it with everybody's just an expert about everything. And it's really based in pride. And, and we learned that Corinth was this way too. They were very prideful, and so they were fighting about everything. They were fighting about what teacher they followed and what teacher they thought was the best and why they were morally superior because they liked this certain apostles' teaching. Um, one fight was over freedom and whether or not you should exercise your freedom, even if it's hurting your brother or sister. It seems kind of like a no-brainer thing, right? No, you shouldn't do that. But they're, they're arguing about it. It's my freedom. It's my, re- sound familiar? Right? It's my freedom, it's my right, and I'm going to do with it what I, I want. They were arguing uh, about that. And then the fight that we're going to see was over the issue of spiritual gifts. And what the church was arguing about was what gifts were most important and what gifts were most valuable and what gifts were less important and what gifts were less valuable. And you say, why on earth would anybody like fight over this? And you have to remember the culture that Paul was writing into when he wrote this was kind of like a caste system is the best way to describe it and who was important and who wasn't important was a really, really big deal in this culture in terms of social standing. We don't have a caste system in our current culture, but who's right and who's wrong, who's moral, who's immoral, we kind of have a caste system. Right, we just don't call it that. We we, we do have these arguments a, a lot about who's right, who's wrong, who's good, who's evil, and, and all of that. And so here's what Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter 12 to them about the issue of the body of Christ, and in particular about spiritual gifts. All right, verse 7. Now to each one a manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determined. So, here's the first thing Paul wants to teach the Corinthian church that I want to make sure we get from this text, and here it is on the screen for you. The first truth is, through the Spirit, you are gifted. You are gifted, all right, by the Spirit. Now, this is not some 1990s Cheesy Saturday Night Live sketch where you look in the mirror, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. It's not like that at all. Uh, But it's not about having a faith in you that I am awesome because I'm gifted. It's really about having a faith in God because when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, He gives you a spiritual gift. And you see lists of these all throughout the New Testament. For some, they are given a gift of prophecy, which is the supernatural ability to speak truth into people's lives. A service, which is the supernatural ability to just see physical needs and take care of them. Giving, which is the supernatural ability to be generous. Leadership, which is the ability to lead things. Wisdom is the ability to uh, see what's behind a problem, to kind of see what's going on underneath. Evangelism, the ability to share your faith with others. Administration, the ability to organize things. And what makes them spiritual gifts is that these aren't necessarily attributes that you were born with, although certainly the gifts that you're born with feed into your spiritual gift a little bit. This isn't about what you were born with. This is what you receive from the Spirit. The Spirit is behind these gifts, empowering them, which means that when you use your gifts, whatever gifts God has given you, when you use your gifts, powerful and amazing things start to happen because God is then at the center of how you're serving. And the point of these gifts, if you kind of dial, up, uh, dial back a little bit in the text is in verse 3. He says, these gifts have been given to you so that people will recognize that Jesus is Lord. This is the number one reason the Spirit gifts you. And enables you to serve. This is the number one difference. Uh, reason is that through your contribution and through the exercise of your gifts, that people would be able to see that Jesus is Lord. Remember, at the end of the day, He's like the star of the show, not our gifts and abilities. Jesus is the star of the show. He's the one we want people to know. He's the one we want people to worship. He's the one we want people to be in relationship with. And our gifts, we use our gifts. To proclaim that news, to point people to him. So if your spiritual gift is service, you serve so that people can see Jesus. If it's administration, you organize so that people can easily get connected and then see Jesus. If it's evangelism, it's introducing people to Jesus. You get the point. In verse 7, Paul calls this, Paul will refer to this as the common good. It is good for every single person to know and worship Jesus. That's what makes knowing Jesus a common good. It's good for people to know him. It's good for people to have, them have him as their Lord. And it's good for people to worship him. This is the purpose of your spiritual gift. All right? And then uh, Paul will go on to say, all right, you are gifted. And the second truth he wants to share with you is in verse 18. And here's what he says. But in fact... God has arranged the parts of the body. So we're all part of the body. God has arranged the parts of the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Paul's uh, transitions in verse 12 to talk about the church as a body. And he says, you are part of the body. And here's the truth of that. God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. And Paul says this for. A couple of reasons. One is that in the Corinthian church, there's great relational conflict in this church. And people in the Corinthian church, in the church at Corinth, they were saying, I don't want to worship with that person. I don't want to be around that person. We disagree on too much. I don't even want to be around them. And Paul is trying to teach them, listen, God arranged for them to be here. God arranged for them to be here. Get over yourself, that loose translation, right? Get, get, get over yourself and love them and serve them because God has arranged for them to be here. I'm sorry you don't like their personality or you find them grating or whatever the case may be. God arranged for them to be here and so you love them and love them well. But the second reason Paul wants to kind of uh, bring this to us is that he wants us to see this about ourselves, that God has arranged for us to be here. And I think sometimes we think of this just as a, uh, as a, uh, a paid pastoral ministry thing. And it's kind of easy for Cheryl and I to see ourselves in this text a little bit because we were just kind of minding our own business in Lansing, Michigan, right? And we felt that God kind of orchestrated some things and brought us to a city we had literally never heard of. right? Um, and, and so we're like, oh yeah, we see how God arranged for us to be here but God wants you to see that in yourself as well. And I think it can be harder for someone that's like, I just was born here, or yeah, even more so. Or you know, I was just raised here, or, or I came here for a job, or whatever the case may be. I've just always been here. I believe, I really believe this. God arranged it. He arranged for you to be here. And rest assured, he arranged for the person sitting next to you to be here as well. This is why occasionally when uh, someone will come to our church from another church or uh, somebody will leave our church to go to another church, right? I think that that the thing I love to hear when that's happening is for the person to say to me, "I just feel this is what God's calling us to right now." I love to hear that because I believe this text so much that he is arranging the parts of the body uh, just just as he wanted them. To be I truly believe that God brought you here, and I think that with an understanding of uh, an understanding of that comes an understanding of intentionality and purpose when you believe those two truths, that I am gifted, and that God has arranged for me to be where I am, that God has arranged for me to be in this church. God has arranged for me to be in this community. Maybe it won't be forever, but for right now, he has arranged it, so I need to serve, and I need to serve well. Purpose comes flowing out of that. During my uh, sabbatical, we had decided uh, to take a kind of extended vacation because we don't always... Uh, get, get to do that. And we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go. And we finally kind of settled after a lot of conversation on the Pacific Northwest. And once that decision was made, so many decisions flowed from that. We started looking for places to stay, day trips we could take. We started gathering information, all that stuff. Intentionality led to purpose. And so Paul is hoping that when you understand that God has placed you, and that God has intentions for you, and God has arranged things. He's hoping that will lead to purpose and direction as you serve and as you live your life. Here's how uh, he says it in verses 14 through 17. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And here's the argument Paul is building. You are gifted, and God has placed you, and he has placed you, here it is on the screen for you, to accomplish something good something that you are uniquely gifted to accomplish you were created for ministry you were created to make a difference now i don't think that's the only reason you're here right is is to serve others that there are people here that have gifts and abilities that you need Uh, uh, and and that can benefit you and help you. Someone might have an insight uh, into your life or a ministry that will make a difference to you or a relationship that will bring healing. Um, I think that's true, but Paul says it's undeniable that God desires for you to make a difference. Now remember, Paul is speaking into a culture where there's a lot of conversation about what gifts are best and what gifts are most important and what gifts are least and what gifts are least important. And Paul is saying that no Better or least, it really doesn't matter. There are different gifts, but all of them are placed to make a difference. The body needs ears to hear and eyes to see and mouths to speak. If the whole body were an eye, we'd all be in trouble. If the whole body were an ear, we'd all be in trouble. We live in a culture right now where the whole body called the United States is a mouth, Right? <laughs> And we've seen where that gets us, right? You know, everybody's preaching, everybody's talking, right? So let me ask you a question, right? What is, with all this kind of groundwork being laid from Paul, what is the most important ministry in the church? What is the most crucial contribution? And sometimes when you ask that question, the temptation might be to say, well, my contribution is the most critical, you might say to yourself. And you might have found yourself feeling that way before. That, man, I have the gift of generosity, you might say. And without that gift, the church could not keep its lights on. Or you might say, I have the gift of service. And without my gifts, the lights would be on, but the building would be falling apart. Or you might say, I have the gift of teaching and without my gift, the lights would be on and all of that, but there'd be no spiritual understanding. And what can happen is everyone ends up thinking their gift and their contribution is most important. What is the most valuable and important gift? It's kind of a trick question because what's true? They all are. Right? They all are. They're all critically important. They're all critically crucial to us being the body of Christ. More on that in just a minute. So Paul says when you understand all this, he's going to try to teach us two things. One is the principle of honor. Is that we want to give honor where honor is due and he's remember he's speaking to this culture where certain gifts were honored and certain gifts were kind of set aside. And he says, "No, we want to be a people of honor verse 22 on the contrary. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I think there's a lot of confusing language in this text. And I read it and reread it, and I preached on this a couple years ago, and I looked at those notes trying to get to the bottom of it. And here's where I think Paul is going, is that there are parts of the body when it comes to gifts and abilities, there are parts of the bodies that are seen. Right? And it's easy to figure out what those are. And then there are parts of the body that are hidden, uh, kind of behind clothes. We're all grateful for that. Right? That Clothes are a wonderful, good thing, right? So there are ministries and spiritual gifts like mine and, and others that tend to be seen a lot. And in a church setting, those tend to get a lot of their share of the honor. One of the things that I'll kind of notice sometimes um, with, with preachers is that sometimes we can become a little testy about criticism. And I, 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 and I get that. Criticism kind of comes sometimes in, in, the, in the role of ministry. But man, just doing what most pastors get to do for a living, um, there is a lot of encouragement and there is a lot of grace that just comes from exercising a spiritual gift that is seen out in the open. And I'm grateful for that because here's what I know is that there are people here every day serving. And not many people see them. They're not on a stage like I am right now. Not many people see them, but they're serving. And we want to make sure we honor that. Then that, that the only people getting honor are not like the people on worship team that are seen or the preacher that's seen or, or the, the teacher uh, in the small group or whatever that is seen. We want to make sure we give honor to every part of the body. So here's what I want to encourage you with. If you're served by someone or if you see someone serving or you hear about someone serving, just try your best to honor that person. To honor their service with a thank you or a gift card or whatever the case may be. Let's have a high honor culture, because Paul lays this at, our, at the church's feet, that it's important for us to, to see and honor the service of others. I think this is why Paul will say in the very next chapter, this is chapter 12, and the very next chapter he'll say, eagerly desire the greater gift. This church was arguing about all these gifts, and he says the greater gift, anyone know what it is? The greater gift is love. So he says, man, if you're talking about gifts that you want to um, eagerly desire, eager the gift called love that is an all play for every person and love the people uh, around you. So he talks about having this loving and high honor culture and here's, here's what is true. You and I are never going to see every act of service. Um, it's just impossible. So I love what Paul says in this text. God gives honor to those parts that are not presentable, those acts that are done in secret. Here's what he's saying is even when we we try, we want to have a high honor culture where just the, the people that are seen are not the only ones getting honor. We, we want to honor every contribution and every person. We, we want to make sure to do that. But some of it is impossible to honor every single person. So here's what Paul is teaching us. God sees and God will honor. God sees the service. And that's an amazing truth. To the person sitting in this room right now, Maybe it's not even in this church. Maybe you're just a stay-at-home mom or you're a a teacher and it's a really, really high-stress time. Or you're making a contribution and you're like, nobody sees. Nobody honors. Nobody acknowledges. If that's you, I want to remind you of Paul's words here. God sees you. And God honors you. And I think that should give us so much hope and encouragement because what he's going to do is so much better than any human seeing us and and honoring us. What God's going to do is better than an Applebee's gift card, right? It it just is. I mean, the Applebee's gift card, those are great. But when God sees and God honors, something really special happens. So he says we want to have a high honor culture when we understand what Paul has taught us. And then here's the other thing on the screen for you. We want to play our part well. Right? If God has gifted you and God has placed you, the greatest thing you and I can do is to play our part well. Verse 27 You are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part. So I would say, man, if you are spiritually gifted as a server, serve well, minister well, play your part well. This is part of what it means to be on the journey. Together, that we are always looking to serve and minister and partner together. We're looking to play our part well. So we're showing up on time. We're working to the best of our ability. We're prepared ahead of time and eager to serve. We're in the game. We're playing our part well. Some of you have maybe attended here for a while and you haven't started using your gifts yet. I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I think it's really important for you to be sure, but it's also important for us as we're striving to be the body of Christ, that we need your hands and your feet because God has gifted you and he's arranged for you to be here. So play your part well. And some of you have recently started attending. You're just checking things out. And I want to encourage you to consider start considering what your part might be, what that looks like for you. This church has a great history. Uh, I believe even a better future. And I believe God is something up to something in us and through us. And I want you to be a part. I think one of the, I think, shames would be if, if we were to get 20 or 30 down, years down the road and people were to, that had been here forever were, were to say, I think this terminology is the sad terminology, look at what God did through them. Look at what God did through them. I want you to be able to say, look at what God did through us. I want you to play a part and to play your part well. I love watching uh, kids grow. My, my uh, little kids, you know, my son's kind of slowing down as, as he's getting older. But it is fun to watch kids grow up. And especially, like, you, you remember, like, the first time they noticed their hand? And they're like, whoa. <laughs> what is this good news, right? The first time they know, or the first time they start walking and they get a big smile on their face and like, this is happening right now. Look at me, I'm walking. You know, I, I love watching kids kind of discover those sorts of things and, and, and to grow. And one of the things that I love about the image of the body is that a reminder that through the church, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And it's through the body that our culture will get to see Jesus, which is awesome. It's through the body that we get to see his compassion and his grace and his service and his message. It is through the body of Christ. And, I, and you said, there's a distinction here, because in our, in our American culture, where we tend to be very individualistic, we tend to ask, how can I be like Jesus? And there's nothing wrong with that question. That's a good question to ask. Uh, There's nothing wrong with it, but it stops short of the question Paul was asking in, in this text, which was not, how can I individually be like Jesus? What Paul was trying to teach us is how we together, as a church family, As a church body, how we are like Jesus, how we communicate Jesus, how we show Jesus to the culture. They understood that individual acts are important and valuable, but something really beautiful happens when the body comes together. And that we, when the body comes together, and the hand is playing the hand and the foot is playing the foot, and the eye is playing the eye, and the mouth is playing the mouth, and the nose is playing the nose, something happens that gives culture a complete look at who Jesus is and what he accomplished. We are a unique, as a body, not just as individuals, as a body, we give culture a unique look at Jesus. It's when those gifted with generosity give Those gifted with service, serve. Those gifted with compassion, write cards. Those gifted with encouragement, give encouragement. Those gifted with teaching, teach. It's when all of those things happen, and we're rowing in the same direction. I know I'm mixing up my metaphors right now, but we're all rowing in the same direction. That people say, man, there's the body of Christ. When they just look at me as an individual, they may see some things that are Christ-like. But I promise you, my kids will tell you, they're not getting a full example of Jesus. Like, I don't remember Jesus yelling at me the way you yelled at me, right? They're they're not getting getting a full example, right? I have my gifts, and I have my abilities, and I try to be Christ-like. But there is something really beautiful about what happens here as a body. When my shortcomings are filled by your strengths and your shortcomings are filled by my strengths, something really beautiful happens and we get to show this culture who Jesus really was. If I just rely on me to demonstrate to people who Jesus was, I I don't think they're going to love him as much. I really don't. I think they'll be like, I mean, it's okay. It's okay, but it's not to its full power and potential. So don't underestimate the power Of being with this people called the church, the body of Christ. Every once in a while I'm asked the question, often I'm actually asked the question, can I be saved or can I go to heaven uh, and and be right with God and not be a part of a local church? And I got to be honest with you, I think the question itself is flawed. Um, I, I think Um, If you were to force me to answer, I would say, yes, God can do anything. I suppose that is true. But the question itself is flawed because it's over-consumed with what God is going to do for me as an individual. And it's under-consumed with what God is trying to do in this world. That's the problem with the question. It's like, I would like my get out of hell free card. Jesus, here it is. Please stamp it. You and I are going to be okay. And I'm just going to go. It's over-consumed with what he wants to do individually. Uh, It's over-consumed by that, and it's under-consumed with what exactly is God trying to do in this world. So the right, right question is not, can I be saved without the church? The right question, I think, is can I individually accomplish alone what God wants to accomplish through his local church? And the answer to that is no. Can I individually accomplish what God wants to accomplish through this body called the church Even on a corporate individual, small level like us, the answer to that is absolutely no. Can I give to missions individually the way the local church gives to missions? No. I don't know what you guys think, how much I make for a living, but the answer to that is no, right? I can't do that. Neither can you. Can I serve the amount of people as an individual that will be served this week by the local church? No. No. Can I have influence individually uh, that that is greater than the influence that will happen just when we leave this place as as a church and go to lunch? Can I have that influence in a single week that we can have corporately? No. Can I give more? No. Can I share more? No. Can I make a difference more? No. Not as an individual. The local church is the body of Christ. Is the local church perfect? Answer, No, 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 no. No, the local church is not perfect, but the local church is the plan. It is the plan. And she is ugly at times. She can be judgmental, to be sure. She can be accusatory without question. Yes, there can be some ugliness there. But it's mostly in an individual level. When you consider the corporate impact of the local church, when you gather all the pluses uh, all all together, when you consider the corporate influence of the local church, I think it nets positive. I really do. When you consider that the local church, what the local church does in the realm of adoption, when you consider local church and what the local church does in the realm of hospitals, how many hospitals were started by the local church? When you consider the local church in terms of education, how many colleges were started by Christians and by the local church? When you uh, consider the, the individual conversations, the difference Jesus has made, the organizations that have been started, it's not even close to what you and I can do as individuals. So she may be flawed, She may at times be uh, judgmental and difficult and hard to be a part of, but she is the bride of Christ. She is the body of Christ. And it is through the local church that Jesus is going to save this world. So I think it's the wrong question of, can I go to heaven and not be a part of the local church? I just think it's the wrong question. I I think it's the wrong question. Can I make the difference that the local church can make individually by myself without her? And the answer to that is no. So let's join in with our gifts. Let's participate, give, love, and see what God can do, not just through me as an individual and you as an individual. Let's see what God can do through us. Let's see the image we can portray to Decatur, Illinois, when we come together with all of our gifts and abilities, all of our passions, all of our background, all of our resources. Let's see the gift we can give Decatur, Illinois, and say, no, this is the body of Christ. Don't look at me, all right? Don't look at me. This is the body of Christ, gifted, compassionate, loving, unified, together. And are we perfect? You know we're not. If you've been here for a year or more, you know we're not. Are we perfect? But are we doing something really beautiful together? Yes. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the local church. Um, I believe your local church uh, is flawed, but the plan. Not perfect, but the plan. And so we want to strive and we want to struggle like the church in Corinth did that had all of these issues. They're fighting about apostleship. They're fighting about gifts. They're fighting about a man sin. They're fighting about every single thing. And Paul's exhortation to them was, you are the body of Christ. Play your part better. You're better than this, Corinth. And so while we don't have those issues here at Northwest, we want the same exhortation. To be unified. To be using our gifts. To be loving with one another. And to give this gift to Macon County. Say, this is what Jesus looks like. Don't look at me as an individual. Look at the local church. This is the body of Christ. And I play a part in it. We play a part in it, but together we give this world an image that is incredible, an image of you, Jesus. As we spend a few minutes right now receiving communion, may our eyes be focused on you. May we consider our part as we leave this place, but over the next few minutes, may we consider your part that you played. The forgiveness of sins you offer so that the church could even be a thing. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We are going to receive communion right now. It's an opportunity to reflect on his contribution and the way that he forgives us, as a body even, the way that he forgives us and shows us grace. So that we can know that we're a part of something really special called the local church. And it's because of his sacrifice on the cross that it's possible. You'll find uh, two cups stacked on top of each other. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. And you can receive those whenever you're ready. Uh, Excuse me. Reflect on those as uh, as we wait. And then I'll come up and we'll receive it all together as a church family. um, All at the same time as a show. We started doing this a few years ago. It's kind of just a show of unity. um, As a show of unity that we are the body of Christ. We are forgiven uh, together. We are in this together. We are moving forward together. So we'll receive it all together in a few minutes. His body given for us. His blood poured out. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the local church. Not perfect, but the plan. Help us to do well. Help us to be the people you created us to be. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. You can stand up. We're going to close with one last song. And uh, we'll close out uh, this series next Sunday, Labor Day uh, weekend, and uh, then uh, go into Romans from there. So God bless you guys. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you.